have people and welcome to Sunday morning platform of the Washington Ethical Society. Glad to hear you see whoever we can see. So Robin Kravitz says, good morning, y'all. And I love it when she says that. The whole y'all thing, I'm easily amused. Naomi Goldstein, good morning. Lovely to see you. And who else do we have? Bonnie, 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 good morning. Dr. Blarcom. And who else? Donna Taylor says, good morning, Judy and everyone. Lovely to see you, your, your chats. And we are taking a couple minutes here to get established and ready to roll. Looking yes. forward to this morning's platform address. Again, if you'd like everyone to see your messages, please be sure to set the chat to all panelists and attendees. Walter and Susan, good morning. And Perry, that would be Perry Bider, says good morning to everyone. <laughs> Jennifer D, good morning. Happy to be here. We're happy that you are here. Very nice to see people saying good morning in the chat, getting established, um, gathering your beverage of choice, warm, cool, or otherwise. Tepid, I suppose, would be otherwise. Um, and if you would like to get a candle to light during our candle lighting, this is a good time. Who else do we have? Perry says, hey, Jennifer, another key player in the story we'll be telling this morning. Yay, Vincent, good morning. Good morning, good, I love the way you say, good morning, good people of less. And Peter Bishop, good morning to you. Nancy McGuire, lovely to see you. Okay, and we will be starting here in just Good moment, Jeff Mihal. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is. Okay. So I see that we are right at a little bit after 10:30. So let us begin. Opening words for today were written by M. Scott Peck. It is in the whole process of meeting and solving problems that life has meaning. Problems are the cutting edge that distinguishes between success and failure. Problems call forth our courage and our wisdom. Indeed, they create our courage and our wisdom. It is only because of problems that we grow mentally and spiritually. It is through the pain of confronting and resolving problems that we learn. We begin today's platform with music from our own Perry Bider, performing a piece by Joaquin Nincomel. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
Perry. Good morning again, and welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Judy Myers. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm the, the officiant this morning. Visitors from near and far, we especially welcome you. We hope that you'll say hello in the chat and that you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, at maceot at ethicalsociety.org. You can also fill out a connection form. Macy will put that link into the chat. And we hope you'll join us after the platform service for a chance to say hello. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, closing for the address itself and then reopening. If you do not want to see the chat, this is a good time to minimize it. And closed captioning is also available. You can turn that on or off as you prefer. We continue our gathering by reading our statement of purpose so that we may remember the values that hold us together. Members are welcome to sign up to lead this reading. If you're interested in taking a turn to read the Statement of Purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc readsop. Today, the Statement of Purpose is shared by two of our platform speakers, John Dakin and Perry Bider. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. May it be so. If you have a candle at home, I invite you to light it now as I share our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I'm particularly mindful of those of us who are dealing with the pandemic, who had thought that things were moving forward in some ways and see that they are moving more slowly forward and sometimes seemingly backward. And for those of us who are struggling with the extent of the virus. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world.
and let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. May it be so. Thank you, Judy. Good morning. I'm Lynn Cox. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm the interim leader here at the Washington Ethical Society. As we continue the centering time of our platform, let's prepare for meditation. You may wish to adjust your posture so that you're grounded yet attentive, at ease, and present. You may wish to close your eyes or soften your gaze. Take a nourishing breath. Cherish that breath within you and then return it to the world. Let your mind settle to inward quiet. Continue to breathe in and out evenly and fully as I share these words of meditation from my colleague, Teresa Soto. This is a charm for hope. The first thing to do is to tie a string around your finger. Remember, you are not alone. Think of the ways that our best shared futures are braided inextricably with your own present and your destiny. The second thing is to untie the string and let the knots and tightness fall away. Let the burden of bleakness roll off your sore shoulders. Resistance on these opaque horizons only requires one source of strength, one ray of light. Remember that persistence doesn't require all the answers up front, only one. Fortunately for all of us, we have one response to remain together through awkward times and happy ones. We remember and we find our resolve in one another. So ends the reading. And so as we take that in, breathe in and out as you let the knots and tightness fall away. Breathe in and out as you call to mind and heart those who hold you in awkward times and happy ones. Breathe in and out as you consider the place within you and between us all where we find resolve. Our meditation continues in silence and in the music that follows. This is the story about how our West community came together 
to explore a big decision. Through curiosity, transparency, and a commitment to each other's worth, West members found a way from a lonely place in the institutional world to a place of vibrant relationship with the UUA and the AEU. For longtime members of West, this might feel like it happened yesterday. For others, it is long ago history that might help explain some things about our community today. During this interim time, part of our work together is to elicit stories about your history and heritage and to reflect on what those stories mean to you now. What have you learned? What would you like to grow from? What would you like to sustain into the future? Before we can ask those questions, it helps to review the stories as we understand them from the perspective of where we are today. To set the stage for reviewing the process of exploration and open dialogue, discernment and commitment that West members went through from about 2005 to 2008, I'd like to reflect back on some of what I have already heard from West members. You all shared these stories with me in the cottage meetings last fall, in anecdotes at coffee hour and in the history timeline event in May. Of course, sometimes stories evolve in memory and in retelling. So I don't know if the story happened exactly this way, but I believe it's true that West members came together, productively faced their differences and came out stronger as a community for having made a decision together. So let's imagine ourselves back in the late 1990s and early 2000s. Then as now West was a thriving community. Members were proud of their local and international service work, their adult education programs, their festivals and celebrations, and their ways of caring for one another. As a larger community than the majority of other ethical societies, there were certain needs that Wes had that the American Ethical Union was not focused on providing. So if Wes needed help on best practices for governance that scaled up to a larger community or a curriculum for a Sunday school with larger, more age-specific classes or professional development for staff members beyond what is offered in the leader certification program, the AEU hadn't created those things because most ethical societies didn't need them. So Wes had some needs that were not being met with affiliation with one and only one national organization. You'll hear more in a bit about some of the other frustrations that West leaders, staff, and lay leaders had with the AEU. But it seems like even if everything had been harmonious, there still would have been a reason to look beyond the AEU for additional institutional connections. So West staff and lay leaders went searching for other resources. They found some at the Alban Institute, which doesn't exist in the same way now. Many of the resources of the Unitarian Universalist Association uh, turned out to be useful for an ethical culture society with little or no adaptation. Mary Herman, whose title eventually became leader for community life, found educational resources for children, support for her creative development of celebrations, and help with understanding how to approach the management of a community like West. And none of that meant that West members felt any less affectionate about the history and heritage of ethical culture. And perhaps we still have some things to unpack about the difference between a tradition or worldwide community and a national organization. As you'll hear from John, members turned out to be attached to ethical culture as an identity. And that did not change even as they were assisted by and delighted by resources from other organizations. Just like having a friend to go bowling with does not mean less attachment or affection to the friend you play tennis with, Wes found that collaborating with Unitarian Universalists did not make them feel or act with less commitment to ethical culture. In 2006, Richard Nugent was appointed as the interim leader as senior leader Don Montagna retired. And the fall of 2006 is also the point at which I first encountered Wes. I had just started serving the Joseph Priestley District of the Unitarian Universalist Association, which was our regional association of congregations at the time. After a restructuring at the UUA, we're now part of the Central East region. So I met Peggy Gates through Lareda, which is the professional association for UU educators. 
Peggy hosted us at West in the following program year for a Lareda chapter meeting. And this would have been before the membership vote for dual affiliation later that spring. It seemed to me that West was a place of beauty and vibrance and that West fit right in with the other communities I was serving through the Joseph Priestley District. It was and is a place of exploration, a place of mutual care, and a place that values the growth and well-being of young people. Looking back now through the lens of interim leadership, I can see what good work Wes and Richard Nugent did together during that interim opportunity of 2006 through 2008. The interim period is not always as eventful as Wes has found it to be. Back then with your affiliation questions and your building renovation, and now with COVID and with opportunities to be involved in justice and democracy movements. Back then you made the most of it and members are making the most of this moment as well. I do think it's important to remember that the affiliation question was not the only thing going on in West at the time and not the only thing that occupied the attention of people in DC and around the world. The recovery of New Orleans took years after Katrina in 2005 and West sent a volunteer team to help with the recovery effort in 2008. There was a presidential election in 2008. West held its first auction in that time period. There is always more than a single story. We do our best to find our way through, understanding that we are following multiple threads at once in the tapestry of our communities. Though I did meet you in a sense and have admiration for West back in those days, I wasn't here with you for your discernment process. So to learn more about that story, I'll turn it over to John Dakin and Perry Bider for their personal perspectives. Am I on? All right. Well, I'll get started. Uh, thank you, Lynn. I'm particularly enjoying the, uh, the addition to our panel this morning behind your head. The West that I joined in the mid-1990s featured relationship building as a central philosophical theme. But my election to the board in 2002 brought to my awareness of behind the scenes relationship breakdown. A conflict had been brewing for years between the clergy and lay leaders at West and their counterparts in our national organization the American Ethical Union. I discovered that our senior leader, Don Montagna, was no longer on speaking terms with other clergy in the movement. I found it bewildering to see the leadership at the highest levels of our movement at odds with each other in this way. But the summer of 2002, when I joined the board, the AEU was without paid staff and calls to the main office were no longer being returned. Concerned about a possible breakdown of financial controls, the West Board suspended payment of its AEU dues. There followed a swift remedy of, this AE, of the AEU's acute dysfunction. Its board hired a new executive director and elected a new president, both of whom, whom worked quickly to begin providing the West Board with budgets and progress reports. Within a year, they had obtained outside financial audits for the five prior fiscal years, and forwarded those reports to Wes. But the West Board's executive committee turned to additional grievances that were pre-existing regarding the AEU's organizational structure and its lack of a clear vision for the future. To me, a newcomer on the scene, these demands seemed valid, but beyond the board's original justification for suspending its dues. I suggested that West members resume attending AEU assemblies and running for the AEU board, but I was told it would be a waste of time. The AEU leadership, however, having provided everything West had originally requested, asked that we settle our arrears before it would engage the West representatives any further on the additional grievances. No payment was forthcoming. And in the summer of 2004, the AEU board placed West on probation restricting our members' ability to participate in AEU business. To me, it seemed imminent that West would be expelled. The West board relented shortly thereafter, 
financially, uh, but I could tell that it was only a holding action while the West leadership began laying the groundwork for a departure. At the spring 2005 membership meeting, Don presented the community with three options, maintain the status quo, go independent, or join the UUA, perhaps while retaining a nominal membership in the AEU. There was much member discussion, but it was inconclusive. Many people were unhappy that the membership had been on the sidelines of what would be a monumental step for the organization. In the wake of that meeting, the West Board chartered a task force, co-chaired by Jennifer Dreyfus and myself, to foster a dialogue within Wes on a way forward. We began researching the options, but we were unsuccessful in convincing Don to open the decision-making process to the membership at large. I don't recall that we were able to hold any forums. The matter remained in the hands of the board. To me, the AEU leadership seemed willing to address Wes's grievances. I thought Wes should try for at least a few more years to help turn the AEU around. But no one else agreed with me. And six months went by without any movement. So hoping to be the loyal opposition, I decided to help the board take definitive action. After studying the West Constitution, I've just lost my notes, so just a moment while I reset on my end. You can look at the slide. Um, uh, um, studying the West Constitution and the AEU bylaws, I presented the board with a roadmap for leaving the AEU. Lots of moving parts, and it's probably no surprise that no one had had the stomach to really try to delve into this. The board decided that it did want to pursue this process. And in the spring of 2006, formally recommended to the West membership that our society leave the AEU. If you can go back to the prior slide, Lynn. Okay. Um, unfortunately, there had been insufficient membership orientation ahead of time. The lower left-hand corner of, uh, of the slide says uh, informational materials to the membership, um, uh, but there had been insufficient membership orientation ahead of time. Further, the board did not present a follow-on alternative to the status quo. As it happened in the meeting, the membership did not take up the board's proposal. Instead, West member and AEU skeptic, Todd Wayman challenged the board to come back to the membership with a more fully formed vision. Don's retirement that spring seemed to shift the dynamics. Interim senior leader and UU minister, Richard Nugent was more supportive of an open process. The task force reformed, now under the leadership of Jennifer and Perry Bider. I remained involved as well. After much work in January of 2007, we issued the membership a 24-page report describing Wes's past and present relationship with the AEU. This was followed by an all-membership mini-retreat. The task force placed eight tables around the main hall, each labeled with a description of a different option for national affiliation or non-affiliation. Attendees were invited to visit any table they liked and strike up conversations with other people they found there. A task force member was present at each table to provide information and to lightly facilitate the rolling conversations. After about an hour, people were invited to choose the table that best matched their preference. The people around each table were invited to talk together and decide if this was an option they wanted to develop further and propose to the community as the best path forward. Each group was encouraged to identify a team lead and to meet outside of West to develop their proposal. To our delight, groups coalesced around six of the eight options. And by the end of the meeting, we're exchanging email addresses and phone numbers. Perry, would you like to take it from here? I remember the task force meeting when John proposed the tables around the room format for the mini retreat. My eyes lit up. And I think I knew right away that this would be the crucial turning point in the whole discernment process. <clears throat> the mini retreat and the marketplace of ideas approach in particular accomplished two things. First, it went a long way toward showing people that the ultimate decision would be driven by the community as a whole, that we would find our way through together. Second, it allowed that decision to be shaped by and reflect the perspectives of the whole community. The board, and certainly we on the task force, had no monopoly on information or wisdom. 
So allowing all interested parties to share their views and their pieces of the puzzle could only lead to a better informed, more grounded decision. To take advantage of that diversity of knowledge and wisdom, the next step after the retreat was for the groups that had formed around those six options, three that included staying in the AEU and three variations on leaving it, to submit two-page position papers in support of their views. A mailing containing those position papers and an advisory ballot was sent to all members and a forum to discuss the six options was held after platform in April. As you might imagine, getting a clear picture of people's preferences and views about six options was challenging. What we did with the advisory ballot, which was the first of four opportunities for members to vote during this discernment process, was to ask folks to rank each of the six options as desirable, acceptable, or undesirable, and to, ask, and to identify which one was their first choice. The ballot also asked folks whether they thought they would be ready for a final vote if the board submitted a proposal for the June membership meeting, and if not, to list any additional information they thought would be helpful. The results of the advisory ballot were clear. As you can see on this slide, the dual affiliation option at the bottom there had roughly 50% more positive votes than any other option whether you look just at the first choice votes, which are the blue bars, the desirable ratings, which are the blue and red segments combined, or the total of the desirable and acceptable ratings, the full bars. In second place was the option to stay in the AEU and try to improve it from within. The dual affiliation option also had roughly half as many undesirable ratings as the other options. So it was the clear winner but that was still 30 people, about a quarter of those who had voted. Moreover, it was clear that many people still had questions and wanted more information. In light of the results of the advisory ballot, which the task force presented at the June membership meeting to conclude its work, the board's motion was not for a final vote, but for the creation of another short-term group, the dual membership task force, to be charged with answering questions about what affiliation with both the AEU and UUA would mean for Wes and how it would work. The membership approved that motion. That was vote number two. Subsequently, a preliminary set of questions was distributed and members were invited to identify additional questions for the task force to research. Again, I had the honor to co-chair that task force. And again, it was a joy to be part of such an enthusiastic and committed team. We divvied up the questions and researched them over the summer. By September, our report was completed and distributed and we hosted a forum to discuss its findings. The report attempted to identify real issues and dispel some misconceptions. A real issue was that we did not know whether the AEU would accept Wes's proposal that our annual dues be cut in half. As it turned out, they didn't. And so Wes's total cost for national affiliations is higher under dual membership. As an example of dispelling misconceptions, we confirmed that Unitarian Universalism is not a Christian religion, though its historical roots are in Christianity and some UU congregations choose to maintain a Christian identity. Further, our report noted that joining the UUA would require no changes in our platforms, classes, or other practices, since the only operational requirement of the UUA is that there be a membership meeting at least annually. With the release of our report, the board called a special membership meeting for October to vote on a motion to authorize the board to engage in final negotiations with the AEU and UUA. The motion passed 77 to 18 with two abstentions, vote number three. And the board formed a negotiating team, a few months of dialogues and meetings followed. In February, the board held a forum to update West members on the status of the discussions with the AEU and UUA, and to give members another opportunity to discuss the idea of dual membership. Finally, another special membership meeting was called for March 9th for a vote on a board motion to join the UUA while maintaining our membership in the AEU and our commitment to ethical culture. 
The meeting packet included the board's rationale for the motion and supporting and opposing statements from three of the six groups that came out of the previous year's mini retreat. In the end, after about 90 minutes of final debate, 163 members voted and the motion passed 125 to 35 with three abstentions, vote number four. One measure of the success of the discernment process is that 78% yes vote. But there's another measure that I think is even more important. 35 people voted against dual membership, but very few of them left Wes over it. The official number, which is only four, may be an undercount. But in any case, the large majority of folks who thought Wes made the wrong choice decided to stick with us anyway to see how things actually worked out and perhaps to do what they could to help minimize bad consequences and increase good ones. I think their willingness to do so is a testament to their courage and their commitment to Wes, and I'm grateful to them. I think it's also a testament to the inclusiveness and transparency of the discernment process with its multiple task forces, four membership votes, and many related platforms, forums, and meetings. And I am very proud of the work we all did together in those two years. Of course, the end of the discernment process was not the end of the work of coming together internally or externally. The work to repair our relationships with others in the ethical culture movement had already begun. John had been elected to a term on the AEU board in 2006, and Laura Steele followed him in that role. But dual membership was definitely a bump in the road. There was a lot of concern, sometimes strongly expressed, that our platforms would abandon ethical culture themes, that West clergy and members would be less involved in AEU affairs, or that we would dilute the identity of the whole ethical culture movement. In light of those concerns, which were shared by some West members, the motion approved by the March 9th vote also called for an effort to evaluate the effects of West's dual memberships with a report due in 2011. So there was yet another task force, this time a joint one, with Michael Culleton and me from West and ethical culture leaders Mike French and Bart Warden, now the AEU's executive director, representing the union. The four of us interviewed the leaders here at West and at the Northern Virginia Ethical Society, surveyed West members and visiting UU and ethical culture platform speakers, and tracked participation in denominational affairs. Spoiler alert, as we reported in 2011 at West's membership meeting and the AEU assembly, none of those major fears had come to pass and dual membership seemed to be working well. My personal involvement in denominational affairs waned quite a bit after that, so I'll yield the screen to Lynn to talk about how things have evolved more recently. Thanks, Perry. As Perry mentioned, the road to repairing relationships with the AEU was a little bumpy at first after Wes's decision to affiliate with both national organizations. And so I hope that the report in 2011 and the continued commitment of volunteers like John Dakin and Laura Steele and today added to with volunteers like Sonia Coopers and Joe Klein have demonstrated to our AEU friends that West remains attached to and involved with ethical culture. It seems to me that deciding to affiliate with both opened up time and creativity without the urgency of needing one organization to be all things to all people the relationship rebuilding could be deliberate and focused. Over the last year, I've heard pride and affection from members as they look forward to AEU events like the virtual YES conference. YES stands for Youth of Ethical Societies uh, and the All Societies Platform Series. The board was animated and curious in seeking out delegates for the AEU assembly and about a dozen members attended the information session with delegates in advance of this past AEU assembly business meeting. I'm gonna pause because I see we're still having problems with the Zoom spotlight. Um, I don't know if there's anything we can do about that other than thanks Zoom for pushing out their updates each Saturday night. Um, okay, I'm gonna go on because the show does. 
West members care about ethical culture. They care about the ethical culture movement and want to be involved. The relationship may not be perfect because human relationships never are. Living people and living communities and living relationships are always in need of repair and growth. It sounds to me like Wes's relationship with the AEU today is an improvement over where things were in 2005. I believe that Wes's health and vitality as a community draws from both affiliations. And this health is part of what feeds and gives time and space to the growth of Wes's relationship with the AEU. I've also observed the ways in which affiliation with the Unitarian Universalist Association benefits Wes. Some of the action for democracy that West members took in advance of the 2020 election was through UU connections, such as UUs for social justice and side with love. The New Day Rising Conference for anti-racism, anti-oppression and multicultural studies gave West members a jumpstart for the new widening the anti-racism lens group. When some of us went to do public witness in person last June, in the morning for climate justice and in the afternoon for immigration justice, we ended up hanging around with a lot of our UU friends. Being involved with the UUA not only gives Wes practical support for living the values you have always had, it also provides a sense of community and a chance to build connections with neighbors who are nearby in the geographic area. Those who are on the board or who have been recently know how much assistance we get from subject matter experts among our neighbors and from the UUA staff. If our UUA Central East Regional Staff Person, the Reverend Dr. Megan Foley, doesn't know the best practice or definitive resource off the top of her head, she knows who does. And our old friend, the Reverend Richard Nugent, is just an email away, now on the UUA staff, helping us answer questions about finances and employment practices for communities that match Wes in size and complexity. It matters to my colleagues on the staff that they can reach out to people with similar work and experience in neighboring communities. It matters that everyone on staff can join a professional association with a code of ethics and a standard of practice. When it comes time for one of my staff colleagues to move on to bigger and better things, it matters that we are in touch with communities of professionals who already have experience in this type of work and who might apply to join our staff. These are just some of the benefits we receive from UUA affiliation. That being said, UUA affiliation is a relationship, not a transaction. We are part of a community of communities. We can take comfort in being part of something larger than ourselves, a movement of value-centered, non-creedal, welcoming, and compassionate people. In fact, two of them. So that's where we are today. Connections with the American Ethical Union and the Unitarian Universalist Association are both valuable to Wes. Our experience with each one enriches our experience with the other. We'll continue to reflect on what those connections mean to members on an emotional level and on Wes's vision for the future of these relationships. Personally, I feel honored to have a chance to watch the power of both and in action at Wes and to accompany you through this interim opportunity. Let's remember that this is a community that has faced and can face challenging issues and come out stronger together. This is going to be an exciting year. Let us move through it with courage and compassion. May it be so. Let's have the community sharing slide. After some music, we'll have community sharing time when you can write into the chat about re what resonated with you today. A framing question might help to spark a memory of a personal experience or your direct observation. You can, um, so if you'd like, you can focus on this question. What do you hope for in Wes's future relationship with our national affiliates? What do you hope for in Wes's future relationship with our national affiliates? As we contemplate, rest and reflect, let us experience the beauty of the musical response. Oh, 
knowledge of truth, adventure boldly and Judy, we can't hear your lovely voice. This is the time when we add our voices, all of them, to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates in our own lives. You may consider the framing question that Lynn presented. What do you hope for in Wes's future relationships with our national affiliates. And I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or Facebook comments what things may resonate with you from the chat. I mean, I'm sorry, from the speaking. Naomi Goldstein says sincere appreciation to Perry and John and others who led such a thoughtful, inclusive process. Indeed it was. Shirley Storm says, thanks to all for this information. It was all before my time at West and I knew it had been a difficult decision. I am in awe of all the work and thought by so many members. Nancy McGuire says, my favorite part of the 2005 to 2008 period and the current video platform period was the chance to meet with and hear from our cousins in other ethical societies, ethical culture societies and UU congregations. I would love to keep this up. Those of us not on the board really need to stay connected with other societies. Absolutely. I've always had fun attending other societies platform meetings because they are much the same and very different. John says, Jennifer Dreyfus, so glad you made it this morning. So appreciative of the hard work you put in as well. Not sure which John that is. Laura Steele, thank you all for that trip down memory lane. I was a newish member at the time of those transitions. What strikes me as I remember those processes is the commitment to open discussion, open ideas, open exchanges. And it's that part of the process that I keep hoping we bring into our process of this next interim year and search and as we search for a new leader. We need lots of discussion together. And that's my hope. Abby Dakin says, thanks for the reminder of how it felt to be part of the community as we considered this question. It gives me hope for the future of Wes. Jennifer D, my hope, easing the financial burden placed on Wes by the dual affiliation status. We do currently make sacrifices in other program areas because of this. And Abby adds, Jennifer D, Peter Bishop says, it was wonderful to hear of the story of this struggle. I really support the final conclusion. This was quite, it was quite a feat. So if you have other thoughts to include in the chat, that's wonderful. And Perry says, Laura Steele, as a member of the Leader Search Committee, I can assure you that we will be making extensive efforts to engage the membership in conversation. The first step will be a survey. Look for it soon. Indeed. So the, um, con the conversation will hopefully continue after the platform address and let us move into sharing the plate. So 
just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at WES, we split the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. We appreciate each person's generous giving as they are able. This month, half of the offering is dedicated to family and friends of incarcerated people. FFOIP seeks to bring services to the children of the incarcerated and at-risk youth. FFOIP promotes social, cultural, and youth development as a way of avoiding intergenerational incarceration. On the slide, coming up, you'll see the number to give by text for today's collection. That number is 202-335-1885. You can also make a gift online through the donate button on our website at ethicalsociety.org. You may also recall that West participates in a Sunday in a school supply drive each year for FFOIP every August, and this year is no exception. Check your email for a link to the Amazon wish list or bring your donations to either our picnic or their picnic on August 21st. The Amazon link to the wish list allows you to have the materials that you purchase delivered directly to FFOIP. We'll now receive your gifts and the gift of music. much to the many, <clears throat> many people who helped to create this morning's time together. Interim music coordinator, Lear Morris, Perry Bider, and the West Chorus. Membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, slide artists, John and Abby Dakin, and tech host, Kate Lang, and Robin Kravitz for communication support and hosting virtual coffee hour at the conclusion of platform today. Thank you to those who are leading and supporting our work in the weeks to come. There are a variety of opportunities for West members and friends to connect virtually around shared interests and in support meetings and discussion groups. This coming Saturday, August 21st, from 3 to 7 p.m., weathered, weather and COVID permitting, we're having an outdoor in-person gathering at Rock Creek Park in Picnic Grove 10. To reduce the potential for sharing germs, this is a bring your own picnic event, not a potluck. Assuming our DC metro area COVID risk level does not go into the severe range by next weekend, and assuming it's not thundering and lightninging, we're still on. 
Check your email for the sign-up sheet and look for a reminder message on Thursday with a complete list of what to bring. In case you missed it, Wes is launching a new small group program called TIE Groups. TIE is short for Together in Exploration. If you've been looking for more ways to connect with other members in Wes as a whole, contact Maceo about getting signed up. Next Sunday, August 22nd, the Philosophy Group and the Sci-Fi Book Group are each meeting at 1 p.m. by Zoom. Today is a great day to contact Peter Bishop or Adam Brisket Limehouse to find out what each group will be discussing so you can be prepared. Check the website calendar and news and notes, email, for details about all of our opportunities to connect during the week. And you can find the calendar at ethicalsociety.org. Also, next week, August 22nd at 10.30 a.m., join us right back here for Platform once again. Interim leader Lynn Cox will speak about the refulgent summer, using inspiration from and critique of the transcendentalists in our continuing quest to both save the world and savor the world. Before we go, there is a brief message from our board of trustees. They made a video to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about what the board has been up to. Hello, Wes. My name is Trang Duong. Trang, she, her are my pronouns. And I'll be serving uh, my fourth year on the board of trustees. We thought this would be a great way to communicate with the board, uh, with uh, Wes, about what the board is up to, because I know you can't always make our monthly meetings, although you're welcome to. So uh, today we'll be um, introducing ourselves to you, as well as um, letting you know what we've been working on. In terms of what the board's been working on, um, we um, will be finalizing the suite of conflict-based policies. Uh, we've been working on these for years, so we're gonna do the final push through. We have asked for feedback from the congregation, and so that will uh, be coming down the pike. And these are kind of like last um, step um, uh, policies um, around uh, sexual misconduct, harassment, and disruptive behavior. So we'll also be starting soon our task force, for recording member uh, meet, membership meeting, um, and so as you as probably you'll know, we'll be continuing uh, continuing these in the near future by Zoom. So the question is whether or not to record them, and we'll be starting that soon. Um, the board is working on creating our roadmap, um, basically our goals for what we accomplished this year, and um, one of those is we'll definitely be supporting um, the staff and leadership in terms of uh, our reopening plan. Okay, so about me, I mentioned my pronouns, um, my fourth year. I will be actually serving as the board president this year. I'm very happy to do that. And um, I'm also, the, the one thing I love most about Wes is not only its people, you know, our memberships, but also just, I love the fact that um, um, our commitment to social justice, it's something very important to me and I'm very happy that I share that with other Wes members. Um, next, you'll see a few videos from other trustees. They are, uh, there are seven of us. So the other trustees are Abby, Sarah, John, Mirka, Vincent, and Rajesh. Hello, my name is Vincent Tyler. And for the past year, I've been on the board of trustees at the Washington Elephant Society. I believe that the thing I like most about Wes is its members' passion to get involved in the things that are important to them be it racial justice, social equality, the environment, or the ethical upbringing of youth. All the way down to the people who are passionate about West itself. Um, looking at the history of West, I was able to read about the passion of the members through the years. And in recent platforms, I was able to hear the ongoing passion of members of today. Um, I believe that's it in a nutshell. The, thing I like most about Wes is the passion of its members to truly be involved in the things that they say they stand for and believe in. 
My name is Sarah Morris. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a first year new member of the board. Um, and the thing that I like best about West is the opportunity to be in fellowship with each other in the service of the community and the broader community outside of work and home. Um, and I really look forward to serving the community through the board. Hi, I'm John Pfeiffer, he, him, his, and this is my first year on the board at West. As I wrote about in my recent blog post, I feel that West is truly defined by its membership, and therefore one of my favorite things at West is its membership and the great variety of skills, interests, and experiences that the membership brings to Wes. Hey folks, Abby Dakin here. My pronouns are she and her. I'm just starting my second year on the board of trustees for this time around, and I'm in the role of the governance chair this year. My favorite thing about Wes are the people that I meet there, followed closely by the regular encouragement to check in on my values and on how they apply in everyday situations that I encounter. This is Mirka Willis, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm currently serving as your treasurer on the board of trustees. My favorite thing about Wes is Winterfest because I love finding warmth in the depth of the coldest season of the year. Thank you. Thank you to the trustees for that video. They will be meeting by Zoom this Thursday at 7 p.m. And board meetings are always open to observers. Minutes are posted in the member access area of the website. Let's enjoy our closing song of the month get together. Love is but a song we sing Fears will fade the eye You can make the mountains ring Make the angels cry. Though the bird is on the wing, and you may not know why. Come on, people now, smile on your brother, everybody get together, try to love one another.
I'd like to share a few of the additional comments from the chat before we go. Katrina says, all this was before I joined, but I've heard so much about it. Always tricky trying to please everyone at least as much as possible. Sue Jacobson says, thank you, Perry and John. West survived some difficult times and I appreciate all of the work what, that was done. I have to say as a person who grew up in ethical culture and a very long time West member, I was one of the few who opposed dual affiliation. None of my fears about losing ethical culture came true and dual affiliation has worked better than I thought it would. Trang says, a little late, thanks for sharing that history and for all the hard work it involved. I'm constantly in awe, but not surprised of how thoughtful West folks are. Included in the chat are the link to the FFOIP wish list uh, mentioned earlier, as well as a link to the CRC workshop coming up on dealing with conflict. So if you would like to check those out, take a look in the chat. Um, and this talk will be available soon um, so that if you missed all of the important information and the history, you'll be able to access it. Now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding and commitment, finding and nurturing collaboration in the quest for a better world. Please join us for a virtual coffee hour by pointing your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour, all one word, which we will, you should be able to see in the chat as well. Once we're in the Zoom coffee hour space, we'll divide into breakout groups, which you're welcome to drift in and out of as you choose to greet different people. If you're new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. So once again, that's Maceo T at ethicalsociety.org. Have a great week all. And we look forward to connecting with you throughout the week.